coming up in part two of our pod with Ted. He opens up about why he gets emotional about winning a championship, what it means to be monumental, and how go-go and basketball are on the same beat. Off the Bench starts now. I'm sure that what you're saying about, you know, the Mystics, the Valor, the Brigade will apply to this new G League team, the Go-Go, trying to market to, again, a, a team that you're paying homage to with the local music scene. What what about the unveiling did you did you really cherish, and what do you think about this team? I mean, it's very exciting. It's great for the organization. It's going to be a huge asset. Um, well, I think one of the traits of creativity or innovation is the ability to connect dots from other industries or um, other areas of endeavor and having that balance um, is what I encourage young people um, to do. And so we do own a, a NHL team and there's the AHL. We don't own those teams, but we are real partners with those teams. And during our AHL affiliate for the Caps used to be in Maine. And during a lockout, when we announced our rebuild for the Caps, we said we would build around young players. We got Alex Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom, et al. We would build a new training and practice facility that would be the envy of the league and just have all of the state-of-art innovations in terms of health care and training and making it a place where the players and coaches want it to be. And we would redo our AHL affiliate and make them very strategic to our rebuild. We would invest and we would choose the coach we'd have the coaches communicating ahl to nhl they'd use the same playbook they'd use the same vocabulary and when a player from the ahl came into um, the nhl they'd hit the ground running it wouldn't be a surprise they Mm -hmm. would nap at the same time they'd be eating the same kind of food well in the nba that hasn't been the case the the G League and the D League at the time, and everyone said, why don't you have a D League team? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't have any value. Okay? It may sound nice in theory to the bloggers, but if every player is a free agent and your, your affiliation is in North Dakota, mm-hmm. it's hard to get value. I remember those Dakota Wizards. <laughs> so when, when we saw the opportunity to build the Wizards practice facility and a new arena that would house the Mystics and our, our G League team, and we could put it you know, 10 miles from here, um, that seemed like a game changer. And because I have experience in the NHL and the AHL, I'm going to, I'm going to um, encourage them to look at what we've done in the AHL. The AHL is considered the second best basketball league um, uh, the second base, best hockey league I would like to see them in the world. <laughs> Try to play some basketball, though. <laughs> well, do you know Hershey? How many people Hershey know Bears. this? Yeah. No, Hershey is where Will Chamberlain scored his 100-point game. Mm-hmm. 
They yeah. couldn't sell out That's in right. Philadelphia, and he was on the road. Um, and he scored 100 points. There's, there's a. That's why there's no video footage of right, it or anything yeah. like that. There's, a, there's an audio recording mm-hmm. of it, and mm-hmm. I've heard some of it. Um, but, but so I, I see now, if you look at it in that, with that lens, and, and you can again be a realist on, like the NCAA has been our developmental league. And, you know, we're blessed to have Georgetown play in our building. We have Patrick Ewing now here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Georgetown grad. I was on the board for 12 years of Georgetown. Education really matters. Um, they have the deflated basketball. We go to players and we recruit them and say, you'll get a Georgetown education. Not everyone can make the NBA. And that's what college sports was about. Mm-hmm. And now you have big programs that say, come here, we'll train you to be an NBA player. You'll be on television all the time. We'll play a system like the NBA. It's one and done. The other day I was watching some movie on HBO or Showtime on Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons was the number one recruit. He became the number one draft pick. He hardly went to any classes. It's a joke. Yeah. I mean, it's why we can't just say – this had nothing to do with college. Mm-hmm. This was a way station. And so I think we're going to have a reimagining of of careers in basketball. The one and done in college? Well, I, I, Maybe I, not. I, but but I, I, why can't we provide opportunities for fans, for players, for people, colleges and right, and they want to go play basketball, maybe they have to play in your D-League team for a year Mm -hmm. maybe that's how the one and done is and that you could draft a player one day and he showcased in your d-league team we have that happen all the time with the ahl it's like oh you should see this goalie we drafted two years ago he's killing it and no carrie price we we lost in a in a final to them and and the buzz in canada was oh my gosh you should see this kid that we drafted playing goaltender in the anticipation and it was fantastic but it was he was loyal to the organization that drafted him and and so and maybe the draft I did mention this I have no inkling on whether this is being thought of or not but maybe it should be deeper than two rounds maybe mm. you should be able to draft and like it used and to wow. staff yeah. your yeah, own like, yeah, we've today. talked about that on the podcast yeah, yeah. three rounds i mean what's the difference yep. and mm. and our coaches are going to be in the practice facility uh which has a door that goes into where the d league team and the g league team and the mystics are going to play i think those coaches are going to be very close mm-hmm. And they'll eventually all be our players, our property. Just, you know, today they're free agents for the most part. And so I, I do think that it's a great opportunity for us to reconsider the NBA as a platform. You know, I'd also like to see the NBA and other NBA owners recommit to women's basketball. I think that the WNBA, it, should be more important uh, in the sports landscape for numerous reasons. Um, I also think that if gaming happens, you know, the number one bet on sport in Europe outside of soccer is women's tennis. Wow. Now, women's sports are, are 
have high value. And just like you see if you're playing fantasy, you really care. Well, a lot of people really care about women's tennis because they love tennis. And a lot of people really care because they're gaming on the how fast will the serve be? How many, how many points will the first set take? Who's going to win the first set? Who's going to win the match? Who's going to win the tiebreaker? I mean, they're, they're able to do in real time. And sports that have lots of action, like the NHL, like the NBA, as opposed to outdoor sports. You know, in a, in a football game, um, in a three-hour game, there's probably less than 10 minutes of actual sport. You could edit out mm-hmm. the game, edit it down to every play, and it would be 10 minutes of programming. And in a real-time world where we want lots of information fast, and you can't do that at hockey. You know, I find myself when I go to baseball games, which I love going in the summer, and I'm talking to the person next to me, and I'm looking at them, and then I'll see the pitch, and then I turn around. <laughs> you can't do that at a hockey game or a basketball game. You're following the action. It's nonstop. And all of that data is easily tracked and captured and can be presented. And women's basketball, they, they are a great source of data. They're a great source of, of inspiration to young women. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to see just as now there's 27 teams that NBA teams that own that own um, G League teams. I'd like to see, you know, 30 out of 30. And then we should have 30 teams owning WNBA teams or at least be the affiliate the way Hershey is to the um, to the caps. And I'd like to see 30 esports teams. Right now, there's 17 that have signed up. We're one of the, the 17. As you know, today we're having a big esports conference where mm-hmm. we'll try to educate people on what's happening in that, that world in business. Uh, speaking of the, uh, of the practice facility and the, um, the Mystics home and the G League home, what do you see as the development of that area of D.C.? And do you see a, any similarities between where this area of D.C., where we are right now at Capital One Arena, was 20 years ago? Yeah. None of you guys were alive then, were you? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was going to games. Back. So, yeah. We were alive. We were alive. I went to Georgetown University in the late 70s, and we were told the new student orientation um, – Enjoy the campus, enjoy Georgetown, see some of the monuments, but whatever you do, don't go past 10th Street. Wow. And where the Shakespeare Theater is, Mm -hmm. those used to be peep shows and adult entertainment and those drugs being sold here. As you know, there was a big crack epidemic in Washington, D.C., and... And so Mr. Poland and his family had the foresight and the bravery to say, let's give D.C. a shot let's, and built this here. And, and now just walk around. There's 140, you know, high-end restaurants. I, yeah. I walked to one the other day. It's like, I didn't even know it was there. It was like the hipster butcher and great, the partisan. <laughs> right around the corner. It was yeah. awesome. Right? It's like, 
how is this place so making it, yeah. right? And it's, no, there's enough people now that live back downtown. No one was living here. And, and so we helped to uplift. We can't take sole credit, but we were a big, a big catalyst for the development down here. Well, if you go to Ward 8, I was just there last week, um, it's forgotten. And, you know, it's funny, even on the go-go announcement, if you read some of the comments, people say, is it going to be safe? Um, can I take the metro there? What's the crime rate like? And, well, that's what they were saying here. The first 10 years at, at MCI Arena, as it was called then, attendance was terrible. Mm -hmm. We dislocated the fan base from from the old U.S. Air Arena, but people in Maryland and Northern Virginia said, I'm not going into downtown D.C. It's not safe, right? Now we're like the number one draw. Uh, yesterday, my, my wife noticed all the promotions with Uber. I said, yeah, we're the number one picked up and dropped off Uber spot in the Mid-Atlantic. Oh, wow. Who would have thought? Yeah. yeah. 20 years ago, taxis wouldn't deliver you here. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that, yeah, yeah. So, so what we envision is a win-win-win opportunity in Ward 8. We're going to get a lot of criticism, uh, mostly from people who have never stepped foot in Ward 8. And that's the first question I always ask. Before you write something about us and opine, have you been to Ward 8? Um, the other day, I got there a little bit early, and I peeled off from the group of people I was with, and I wanted to see the stores right across the street from where the arena is going up. And there's a uh, science and technology, a STEM-oriented high school that's mm -hmm. up, and right in front of it is a convenience store with fantastic people. And you walk into the convenience store, and there wasn't bottled water or milk. It was sweets, three rows of convenience store food. Um, and it's the only place to shop in walking distance there. Um, I walked into a bar in the middle of the day, and it was oh, cool, it was a neighborhood bar, and they, well, at least what they said to him is we're one of the few places that'll deliver food. Mm. If you go in the Grubhub, um, it's 100 minutes, and not a lot of places will deliver there. Um, it's a food desert, and the community has some young people have food insecurity. Now, think about that. It's five miles, four miles from the Capitol building. It's three miles from, from Nats Stadium. Our city spent $600 million to build Nats Stadium. And, and we have no place to shop for food. Then we got a tour, and our building is really coming up, and on the St. Elizabeth site, there were like 50 bags that we looked into that had been delivered of fresh peppers and onions and carrots 
and beans and cabbage. And there was a young man delivering, and I, I said, w what is this? And he said, oh, we're this food bank and food charity, and we run classes here to teach families how to cook and eat and, and for young people to start to learn how to do vitamin allocation and, and you know, drink water instead of drinking Mountain Dew. And, I mean, it was, it was within 100 yards. And so, so I think we can play a really, really central role and, and deliver a big, big win for the community. Um, there's going to be two, three hundred jobs created in building it. There's going to be two or three hundred jobs, people that we will train to man the, the arena itself and all of those jobs. Um, it'll bring pride to the community, um, just like I'm standing here live at Kettler Capital's Iceplex in Boston, Virginia. Boston doesn't even exist. <laughs> no one calls it Boston other than like all the major networks and the Washington Post, yeah. right? We built that brand. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, a, it was a great, great thing. I think it will be, be great pride. I also want to use the building and events DC is doing magnificent work, the city's done magnificent work and how do we turn it into a real communal kind of center <clears throat> and and then as a part of our deal um, we won't own the building we'll be tenants in the building and we'll operate the practice facility and obviously use it for our g league and and mystics games mm -hmm. um, but i think we can use a lot of our influence um, we, we just did a big deal on our food and beverage here at Verizon, at oh, Capital One Arena. Fine me $20. <laughs> no, 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 no. They got to fine me $20. <laughs> that was a total slip of the tongue. Um, and, and as we continue to upgrade Capital One Arena and we do big deals, we encourage people to support us out of Ward 8. And so Aramark has said, um, we will help you in Ward 8, and we can help create the kitchen over there, but we can uh, cook extra food and create food services for the community. We can hire people and train them so that they can work there and then be um, trained to get jobs in, in the city at other places and start to develop some careers and and so i think it'll be a great thing for the city i think it'll be a great thing for the community i know it'll be a great thing for the wizards i i, I see how our players and coaches and opposing team players and coaches react to Kepler capitals iceplex it's still the best facility i'm i'm really excited about the plans and what i've seen for the wizards facility and the players will love it and that the players will now become a part of the Anacostia community. And, you know, it, the, the area just needs people to believe in it. And we're bringing an NBA, a WNBA, and a G League franchise. Our management is moving toward eight. I don't want to hear from other businesses that, it's not a safe community. It's not a community that 
can support businesses. If it's good enough for NBA and it, you know, franchises, it should be good enough for your food truck business. And, yeah. and yeah. so I'm, I'm going to be an evangelist and that's what we need. And then we've, we have agreed to be major philanthropists in the area and, and homelessness is an issue. Uh, um, health is an issue. There's no um, outpatient clinics there, so we can work with some of our partners here. There's um, education. I'm chairman of DC CAP, which is um, works really hard with the federal government for DC CAG, which is scholarship dollars, because um, we're not a state. Um, we don't have a state school. And so if you grew up in Maryland, you go to University of Maryland, you get treated as an in-state student, lower mm -hmm. tuition. You grow up in Michigan, Virginia, you go to state school, it's mm -hmm. low tuition. Um, well, we don't have that opportunity. So DC TAG allows any DC student to be considered an in-state student, and then the federal government puts up 10,000 bucks, and. We've created a scholarship plan, $15 million for Ward 7 and Ward 8 students. We will give you $5,000 a year, and we provide all these services. And, and the idea is to get the graduation rates out of high school, the acceptance rates in the colleges, and the graduation rates um, out of college in Ward 7 and Ward 8 at and then eventually better than the national average and we're going to take that on as a as a big part of our philanthropy and what what we just have to prove to the community is that we're good actors in the sense of we have consistency we'll be there all the time we'll listen I think the way we've handled the go-go announcement and fully embracing authentically the go-go community. Um, Chuck Brown's family is very happy with us, the, that we can shine the light again on a, on a genre of music locally is, um, I think, what we should be doing. We're about sports and entertainment in <laughs> Washington, D.C. And, and, you know, what, we're, we're so underrated as a community on so many things because of the, the overlay of the federal government and just by nature whoever gets elected is going to polarize another part of the constituency we have red and blue states and and washington dc is our biggest export around the world and most people outside the globe. My daughter lives in London and we were in Scotland a couple of weeks ago. And people don't realize that Washington DC is a community. They mm -hmm. outside of here, they think that kind of like the Vatican. Almost. Yeah, yeah. They, they we're like the federal government. Yeah, yeah. So you say, well, I own a team in Washington DC. It's like, oh, America's team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and, and so our community you know, it's the coolest city, the fittest city, the eatiest city, <laughs> um, and and you know the culture here is amazing. And from an entertainment standpoint, um, 
you know, we showed on the big screen at a Wizards game a couple of weeks ago a guy who was in a band, Fugazi. And Fugazi was a band that I liked growing up, and they were the Fugazi, Black Flag, Henry Rollins. I mean, there were DC guys who created punk and alternative music. Uh, when the Red Hot Chili Peppers play here, uh, when, if you ask Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, all roads lead to Fugazi. They were it, and they're DC guys, and they're all still around. In fact, the, the guy who came, I, I gave him a John Wall autographed jersey, jersey. and <laughs> he was like, he, it was like the greatest gift he's ever been given, <laughs> right? He's a, he's a rock star. And, um, and, and I was being very sincere. The second week, I think, that I moved my office to here after I bought you know, the remainder of the Wizards from the Poland estate, I was looking out the window, and Chuck Brown was just walking down 7th Street. Tall, thin guy wearing all black with like this black cool hat on. And as he was walking down the street, like people were coming up to him and asking for autographs and giving him. And it was so DC. It was just so cool. And um, I put on my Twitter today, you know, just some things because it, it felt great to have the media, the fans, the people in Ward 8, the Go Go community go, thank you. That was awesome. That was a great yeah. name, very indicative of what we're about. And guess what? We want to run a fast break, high scoring team. Go Go will kind of set the precedent for the kind of. We're not going to be a defensive team. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be fast breaking all of the time and and so i i'm i'm thrilled that we could um use the purchase of the team and name it to bring pride to the community and have it be a tenant at this new arena that will help to uplift uh, ward 8 and saint elizabeth's and bring jobs there and the close proximity that it's going to have to the nba and the wnba i think is going to be important for the whole league Let's talk about your philosophy as an owner from a personal side. Why you have a double bottom line. Why Be Monumental is something that we'll be launching soon with this company. Um, well, owning a sports team in especially a major metro area carries with it enormous social responsibility. Because when you think in a major metro area, there's very few iconic institutions that define what that community is about. Uh, first and foremost, it's academia. Um, we're blessed in this community to have so many great universities and colleges like Georgetown, GW, Johns Hopkins, Maryland, Catholic. I mean, the list goes on and on. But, but universities are old. You think of Boston, you think of Harvard and MIT and Boston mm -hmm. College, and, and they play a huge, huge role, they're big employers. Um, second is real estate, iconic real estate. Um, we've got the mall. We've got some of the most iconic real estate in the world walking distance from here. Mm -hmm. um, you think of a defining business community. Um, L.A. has Hollywood. New York has Wall Street. San Francisco has Silicon Valley. 
we have the federal government. I like to say Washington, D.C. is the platform and the federal government is an app off of our, <laughs> off of our platform. Unfortunately, it's the other way around right. sometimes. Um, and, and then you have sports teams. I mean, you, you close your eyes and you think of Boston and you think the Celtics, you think the Red Sox, you think of New York and you think the Yankees, you think the Giants, you know. And, and so, so we, we punch way above our weight as sports teams and our influence and importance. Um, the other day when I was at Ward 8 and I walked into this store, the Little Debbie's truck was delivering cakes. And the delivery guy was wearing a Caps hoodie. I got, mm. took a selfie with him. And <laughs> we talked. And he said, we talk about the Caps all the time in the barbershop in mm. Ward 8. Uh, he said, come on over and meet my son. And I walked over to the truck. And the young man works here part-time in security and had a wizard's hat on. Wow. And it's like, we're, we're part of the popular culture. And when you win, nothing brings a community closer together than a winning sports team. It's been my one giant regret. It's the one thing that I, I can't close my eyes and think of that we haven't won a championship because um, when you win a championship, you achieve immortality for all of the people there together. We're, we're gonna celebrate the 40th anniversary of the, the Bullets Championship and, and people use that as a touch point. They remember when mm -hmm. and those memories that are formed between mothers and fathers and fathers and sons and friends, they, they last a lifetime. You can't put a dollar amount on it. it it's, the, it's the greatest equity, if you will. And, you know, I've told this story, and every time I tell it now, my son rolls his eyes at me. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we didn't have any money growing up. Um, my, dad, my dad was a waiter, and he used to be given tickets by friends by patrons if you will and that's how I'd go to Knicks games or Mets games or whatever and the New York Jets started as an expansion team and they played at Shea Stadium which was terrible for football and <laughs> the wind blew I mean it was really terrible and season tickets were seven dollars and there were seven games so it was forty nine dollars a ticket ninety nine dollars for two and, and that was my big Christmas and and birthday gift. My birthday's in January, and January eighth. Yep, me and Elvis. And and so I'd I'd go to church in the morning with my mom, and, or Sunday school, and I'd run home and I'd change. And my dad and I would take two subways and go to Shea Stadium, and it was awesome. I mean, I, it was like the most quality time I got to spend with my dad and. We'd stop sometimes in Manhattan before we had to change trains. We'd get something to eat, and we'd go to the games and drink hot chocolate at the games. <laughs> and, and a couple of years into that, the Jets went to the Super Bowl, and they won the, the Super Bowl against the Colts. And I remember game ended, and we lived in an apartment in Brooklyn, and everyone ran out of their apartment into the street. 
and black, white, gay, Swedish, Puerto Rican. I mean, it was it was America, and people were hugging and crying and high fiving. People beeping on the horns, and I mean that. That memory was absolutely indelible. And a couple of days later, there was the parade. And my dad, I don't, I remember my dad taking two weeks vacation because if he didn't work, he didn't get paid. Mm-hmm. He made money on tips. And he took the day off and took me to the parade. And sitting on my father's shoulder and, you know, watching the parade go by and Joe Willie Namath in his fur coat <laughs> and stuff. And, and, um, it, my dad lived to be 95 years old, and he died in September, the year that the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, played the Jets. And um, and I remember being on the treadmill on the Saturday before the game on Sunday, and the NFL channel was playing the actual 1969 Super Bowl game. And... Uh, not very good quality in the video, and I'm downstairs on the treadmill watching the game. I start thinking about my dad. I'm thinking about the parade, and I, I start crying. I stop the treadmill, and I'm weeping. Mm-hmm. And just as that happens, my wife comes down with the laundry, and she goes, oh, my God, are you okay, Ted? She just sees me crying. And I'm going, Joe Namath, <laughs> <laughs> my father. <laughs> and she goes, you're pathetic. crying over a football game (laughs) and it was like that's i now know like what business i'm in right you can make grown men cry 40 years after the fact oh my gosh what a i mean nothing i ever did at america online nothing i've ever done in business nothing i've ever done has that kind of hey? Do you remember that AIM version three point one? Remember yeah. that emoji that you created <laughs> made me want to cry. I definitely had some conversations on that. <laughs> that made people want to cry. And and that's it's just just this unique responsibility, and it's what drives me. When we say double bottom line, we want to do well by doing good, but that as a higher calling and all companies, all people, all individuals won't need to be mission-based. That's how they get fulfillment. Um, I mean, we can sell out every game. We can have the best TV ratings. We can have the most jerseys. We can do have the most wins in the regular season, which we seem to do often with the Caps. But if we can't win a championship, uh, it'll be an unfulfilled life. And it's frankly that what terrors gives me the terrors it's Mm -hmm. it's it's such a binary business Uh, i'll never forget reading um um, espn magazine did the biggest winners and losers of decades in one decade they chose the buffalo bills as the biggest losers the 90s it was they sold out every game they won championships they lost in four Super Bowls, mm-hmm. and they were the biggest losers. Mm-hmm. Not the team with the worst record who couldn't mm-hmm. give tickets mm-hmm. away. It was you lost in four Super Bowls. Four straight game, Super Bowls, man. And you're the biggest loser. And, I mean, that's a – in no other industry, I mean, if you if you're um, snap – 
and there's Twitter and there's Facebook. There's a big winner in Facebook, but no one is saying, snap, you're losers. Yeah. You yeah. didn't win the Super yeah. Bowl. You don't have a $500 billion yeah. valuation. <laughs> you don't have a $100 billion valuation. And and so that's really the, someone said the other day, like, what's different about owning a team now for so long? And I don't enjoy the winning that feeling is muted. I fear the losing. When we lose game sevens and playoffs, it it's bad. Mm-hmm. And and so I I I really I I need to I want to bring a championship because I I know what it means. I know what it meant to me as a kid, and I I just think the impact that we can have is much greater or equally as great as the jobs we create. We, have, we employ 4,000 full-time and part-time people now. I mean, it's a big enterprise here. And, and you know, the, this arena has created 15% of the city's tax base. You walk a mile around here, it's over 15% of the city's tax revenues. But, but all of that will pale if we can win a championship. So you talk about being monumental. You're going to launch it next week. I've been monumental. I've been here 11 seasons. Wow. So I've been here at the beginning. I'm proud of you. Way to go. Yes, yes, <laughs> me too. What will Be Monumental be about when you launch it? Well, again, it's so easy in the media. It's so easy um, around to... Not to say be disrespectful, but we we always look for the bad in people, um, and we offer up a lot of opportunities to be <laughs> critiqued, um, as we see in the paper. But there's a lot of people in our company. There's a lot of our players. There's a lot of our fans, of our sponsors that are doing things that should be celebrated. Um, you know, I'll use as an example um, Jose Andres. He's a good friend. He's a Wizard season ticket holder. He opened the first restaurant right there, Haleo. He now has a bunch of restaurants in town. And he's very involved with DC Central Kitchen. He raises a lot of money for DC Central Kitchen. He gets us involved. He gets our players involved. He's a man about town. He's a professor at Harvard, teaches the <laughs> physics of food. And, and if there's a hurricane, if there's a flood, um, Jose does something about it. And you just saw him on 60 Minutes last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we and I helped him and wrote checks and encouraged him and provided some transportation services for him. But Jose did the work. Jose figured out how to feed hundreds and hundreds of thousands of meals to people when everyone said, well, there's no power. Can't do it. And Jose figured it out. He was monumental. It was awesome. And, and we have employees that do the Lord's work every day. And so what I want to do is uh, make our organization be monumental and celebrate our 
season ticket holders and our sponsors and our employees and our players that are doing great things. You know, John Wall was the NBA Citizen Man of the Year last year. Um, I couldn't script him to do what he did. He does it authentically and organically. He's still writing Maya's name on his sneakers. Um, cameras aren't on him. He's not being, he's still doing that. That's not a fly-by-night thing. Um, and, you know, we know John for flexing <laughs> and puts on that, like, tough guy face. Uh, at his last press conference, well, what did I say? His mom was there. I said, you going to cry again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> time I've been with the guy, he's crying. <laughs> That's yeah, very emotional. Yeah, right. And he's a lovely, beautiful, sincere young man who's a great, great player, and is giving back. He's monumental, and we want our culture, we want our our franchise to be synonymous with the city, and you know that's one of the frustrations that we have with the federal government, regardless of who's in office. Um, when we tried to bring the Summer Olympics here for 2024, the teamwork, the camaraderie, the way the federal government, the local governments, the people, the community were working on it was breathtaking. And what we heard was, oh, you'll never get a vote from an IOC member because they hate Washington. They hate America because they hate Washington. It's like, well, not everyone hates America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, no. I mean, at the time, we, we had just given like billions of dollars to eradicate the disease spread by mosquitoes, the Zika virus. And, and it was... We have a bad image sometimes transmitted by our own media. I mean, as I said, I was just in Europe and, you know, CNN is on every hotel and it's like this cut and paste version of it. And if there's a, a fire or a killing, that will run on continuous loop all the time. If that's mm -hmm. how you think the world, the world sees us mm -hmm. and... And if we can make Washington, D.C. Uh, hold the mirror up to it. These are the people in Washington. These are the institutions in Washington. Here's what we stand for. Um, I, I think it, it benefits all of us. And, you know, we're called Monumental Sports and Entertainment. And we want our players, our teams, our fans to be monumental. We got a lot. This has been great. And I would love to continue to talk more with you. I know the other guys would too, but I know you're a busy man. We really appreciate you giving us Thank this time. Thank you so much. You know, one really thing I, I, I suggest you do with our players, and um, you know, most of our players didn't graduate from college, mm -hmm. and, and still the myth is that, well, they're just athletes. And when you sit and spend time with them, they're incredibly thoughtful, mindful. They, th this generation of athlete is complete. They, they know how important they are to the community. They wanna be great teammates. They're very thoughtful about the causes. 
And I've always thought that, you know, the media after every game, I mean, you can just see Bradley Beal. Um, you know, what you think of that last play in the last 18 <laughs> seconds of the game, you know? <laughs> and and I, I know sometimes like in, in the, with the Caps, someone will ask a question and say, well, yeah, they – they, they blocked the shot, and then there was a two-on-one, they scored. We lost the game in overtime, but that's the game of hockey. It's like, really? That's, like <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's the analysis. These people are really thoughtful. They're really, really smart. And talking to the players, allowing their personality, their personal viewpoints, it was um, really interesting. A bunch of us met with Jan uh, the other day, and just learning from him what his life was like growing up, becoming a professional athlete at 16 years old, uh, his dedication to health, uh, what he wants to do in the inner city. I mean, it, it's, he's not just about how much weight did you lose in the offseason, uh, how bad was your knee, um, you know, how can you have more fouls than points right now? Mm-hmm. He'll work his way through that, but he's a fully developed human being and I, I think the community the industry that these athletes deserve to have that part of their voice heard and people uh-huh. will be surprised at how um, how smart they are mm-hmm. I mean John John Wall is not just um, smart about basketball and has great court sense and is a student of the game uh, he probably knows more about the heartbeat of ward eight and what's happening with homelessness than most of our politicians do because he's there Mm -hmm. right he's he's trying to help he's he's around there and and he's come to all our ward eight events he teases me on occasion uh, (laughs) about you know, where are we going to eat? What are we going to do out there, right? And, and it's true. I mean, I'm, yeah. I, 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 but, but his, just get the players' voices outside of, you know, tell us about that double-double that you had. And mm-hmm. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And the, the podcast will go from number 60 on iTunes to top 10 because we'll, you'll have something additive um, than just the typical kind of sports stuff with them. And that's our way that will be monumental. One of our contributions will to make sure to talk to the players and show them in a different light. And hopefully you've seen our owner, Ted Leonsis, in a different light. We really appreciate you giving us our, you. Uh, the time here for Chris Gearing, Jacob Rain, and Zach Rosen. I'm Jamoke Davis. Ciao for now, everybody. We want to remind you all that Monumental Sports Network is the new streaming service for all your D.C. sports. Watch live games, exclusive shows, and attend VIP events. You can start your free trial today at GetMonumental.com.